Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I am your host, Sean Lavery, and uh, we're doing take two of this uh, uh, attempt at this uh, recording because the first one got mangled horribly. So um, I wanted to introduce our, our guest tonight. He hasn't been on the Paddle and Fin show for a while. He was on the OG show uh, two years ago, I think, if I'm doing my math correctly. Um, so, but this is the first time here on the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment. Uh, welcome, Jamison Renning. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, excited to to chat with you some. It's been a, been a minute since I was on the podcast, uh, so I'm glad to be back. And you sound crystal clear right now, so hopefully that stays <laughs> that way. <laughs> um, uh, for the folks who don't know who you are, or maybe haven't uh, didn't uh, have been new listeners since uh, you've been on, uh, just uh, tell the folks who you are, where you're from. You know, kind of how you got into fishing? Yeah. So, Jameson Redding, again, um, from North Carolina. I live in the foothills uh, here in a little town called Rhonda, which is kind of in between Boone and Winston-Salem, real small town on the banks of the Yakin River, um, which is also a real small river. Um, but I grew up here and then uh, moved to Florida for college. And that's kind of when I, even though I fished when I was a kid, that's kind of when the fishing bug really got a hold of me. Um, I was able to get out and wade some and ended up getting a boat, but it was all inshore. So redfish, speckled trout, that kind of thing. Had a little center console boat. Uh, I met my wife and, and her father fished a lot. So I would always, you know, sneak on the boat with him any chance I could get. Um, but it wasn't until I moved back after college. Uh, gosh, it's probably been for 15, 16 years now um, that I moved back to my, my hometown and, you know, had the fishing bug, but like couldn't really access the water the same way. Um, the boat was useless here where I live unless I was going to go to a lake or whatever, but there's tons of rivers. I have the new river that's really close. Um, the French Broad's not far. The Yakin is close. A lot of smaller streams. Uh, so my buddies, uh, we would go and try to wade different sections um, but access is is an issue like if you don't have the landowner's permission or you're trying to access from like you know public areas there's only so much water you could really cover so we actually started floating some of the rivers in canoes and uh, eventually we just didn't feel like we were able to, again to have the independence that we wanted we were you know two of us in a canoe at a time there's three of us so we were either taking turns or you know it just wasn't really working out so we actually ended up all three buying our first kayaks um the same day and wow. we bought uh, wilderness systems tarpon uh they they bought tarpon 120 a tarpon 100 and i ended up getting a commander 120 um so uh, it wasn't the right boat for the river. It was a good boat, but it was very open. Uh, for those of you that remember the commander, it was uh, like kind of a canoe kayak hybrid. And uh, yeah, it would take water over the bow sometimes in some of the <laughs> rapids of the new river. And a couple of times, if it wasn't for my buddies, that boat might still be sitting on the bottom. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that all kind of just led to the passion for kayak fishing. And 
and starting to realize uh, access is the big thing. You could just drop in anywhere and really cover a lot more water than, than what you could do wading or even in a canoe in some scenarios. And also realize that, Hey, this boat is very useful outside of just river fishing, you know, lakes, small ponds, or even inshore and offshore. And so we started traveling a little bit and uh, I got started fishing some IFA redfish tournaments just so I could get an excuse to get back to saltwater. I've got the rivers here locally, but you know, don't have redfish here. So having that, uh, excuse to go do it was cool and uh that led me to being on the jackson uh team i ended up getting in akusa after i realized the commander wasn't the right <laughs> boat for the river um and then i ended up on the jackson team and now i'm the uh, brand manager of fishing over at jackson kayak so uh fast forward you know over the last 12 13 years of doing it and uh still still doing it and still in jackson so it's pretty cool that's that is pretty cool. And that, you know, to to be, you know, that long with uh, one brand is pretty impressive in our sport. Anyway, it seems to people kind of jump around. So uh, yeah. when you bleed, bleed one company for a long time. That shows <laughs> uh, shows something about you, I think, a little bit. So well, there's definitely time, pretty- you know, it, it's, uh, you know, like any relationship, I consider Jackson a family, really, the team and, and the people that work there and um you know, sometimes it's just dysfunctional family and sometimes everybody's getting along. <laughs> so, right. There's going to be ebbs and flows for anything, right? So yeah. You yeah. can write out I can't the bad see times. I ever going anywhere else for sure. I, cool. um, I love, I love the brand and I, I love that it's enthusiasts um, that do it. So whether it's the whitewater guys or, or, you know, the fishing side, we're all users of the product and uh, we believe in, you know, trying to make a product that can help get you out there and do what you want to do. And so um, that's why I've always uh, stuck with them. Right. And, and so that led you to uh, road trip angler. How's that going? Yeah. Or what's, what's that like? So kind of reversing a little bit, a couple of years back or a few years back. And I think you and I talked about this before the show started. I, I met you on one of these trips, um, but basically we used to, uh, kind of put together this thing. It was actually Brooks, Betty, and I, uh, our idea a little bit, um, along with James, our marketing director, to go to our dealers and kind of meet up with some of the local team members that we have at Jackson and just, you know, fish their water and experience what that that area had to offer, whether it was the food, the dealer, the the people that lived in the area and the, and the fisheries. Um, and capture all that uh, through through the lens of both photo and video and kind of come back with, you know, the experiences and getting to meet and hang out with everybody, but also then telling that story and trying to put some great content out that our dealer could share, the people that were on the trip could share and Jackson could share. Um, so, you know, we did that for a few years and it was on one of those trips to Shanks Mare, as you mentioned earlier, um, before we started the podcast where we were fishing the Susquehanna and kind of did this tour of Pennsylvania, but, um, chasing all river fishing. Actually, we, um, we hooked up with a couple of dealers there and, you know, it was just a really good time. I had never fished the Susky before, but that's kind of what led to what were the road trip angler project. Um, so, you know, fast forward, we, we went through some, some ups and downs at Jackson as far as financially. And then we were, we're back good now and kind of restructured a lot of, how we do things as a brand and we wanted to get back um, to that visiting to dealers and, and hanging out with the team members and really just like showcasing the community, the kayak fishing community and the different regions across the country. And so the idea for road trip angler kind of spawned from that. And it was basically, Hey, I'll go. And now we're going to bring a, a camera crew, a production crew along with us. And I'm just kind of connecting the dots, if you will, like, introducing the locals, introducing the shop and exploring the different regions. So um, it's off to a good start. We filmed a couple of locations. We've got three more locations to go for the first season. And then sometime this summer that will be airing on uh, what used to be Fox sports. It's now called Bali sports. So they have regional networks across the country and it'll air on all of those regional networks. And then uh, we'll also put out, digital content through Jackson's YouTube channel and through my Instagram and Facebook and whatnot. So um, it's been a lot of fun so far and I'm looking forward to the next few episodes for sure. That sounds like an awesome way to, you know, kind of travel around and uh, see new spots, learn new places. 
you know, plus get, you know, keep in contact with your dealers. Cause I know uh, yeah. Devin at Shanks Mayor uh, talks highly of you guys and, you know, the relationship he has with uh, Jackson. Um, that's actually where I got my, my Coos HD. Um, I bought it from there. And um, I think the, the time that I just happened to run into you, I stopped by um, and I was like, ah, Devin, whose trailer is that outside? He's always like, <laughs> oh, that's Jameson Redding. And he's in that camper out there if you want to go meet him. So he's pretty much we, living in his parking lot. <laughs> yeah. We walked out, knocked on the door of the camper and he's like, yeah, this is Jameson Redding. I was like, holy cow. So yeah. nothing's no. really changed, man. Like still, like I love that aspect of, and that that's actually the, like what I said earlier, like realizing that you could take a kayak anywhere, you know, you, you can't, there's not really a boat out there. So like if you're a bass fisherman, you get a bass boat, you can't take that and run parts of the Susquehanna, right? Like I'm not going to take that and go down to Louisiana and chase redfish in it. It's just not the right tool. Um, but you mentioned the Coos HD. I can take that boat offshore. I can take it inshore. I can take it down a river. Um, and it all fits in the bed of my pickup. Uh, so that's, yeah, same, same thing. And that, you know, just being able to, to go and explore new areas and new waterways, um, I think is what one of the coolest things about kayak fishing. It's really kind of a universal tool. It pretty much, you know, can do most things pretty well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on tonight is, um, you know, I, I, you know, obviously live right by the Susquehanna. So river fishing is huge for me. Uh, I used to be super intimidated by it and I've, you know, you know, once I got out there and realized, Hey, how many fish I could catch and, you know, be really, you know, just got to learn my area of the Susquehanna there, um, you know, and realized, you know, it really is, you know, pretty navigable and nothing to be too crazy about as long as you're smart about it. And, you know, I always take a peek at the flow rates and stuff like that and make sure it's safe, but um, you know, and uh, as long as I do that, you know, it's, it's mag a magical place for me. So yeah. And I know, you know, I, and it was the weirdest thing for me because I just took for granted when I hear people talking about river fishing that they mean a huge mile wide river. Yeah. And it wasn't until uh, my old co-host and I were talking about, well, he's like, I was like, well, how wide, how wide bank to bank is the river that you fish regularly? He's like, uh, you know, maybe a hundred yards, maybe yeah. at the widest. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> and then it just hit me and I was like, you know what? Holy cow that, you know, we're talking about, even though we're both talking about fishing rivers, we're really talking about two entirely different things. Oh yeah. The first time when we came up, uh, it was Brooks and I, and I think it might've been his first time on the Susquehanna as well. And uh, yeah, the first day that we accessed the water, a friend of ours uh, dropped a pin, Russell Johnson um, dropped a pin for us on a spot that he liked to fish. Well, I don't know if we realized that maybe we did. I'm pretty sure we looked at Google Earth, but uh, there was an island or maybe two islands kind of splitting the river up. So we we were able to kind of look at it as just like a smaller river the way we were used to fishing here. Um, and the next day we went to that area and I cannot remember the name of it, but there's the iconic Statue, Statue of Liberty out in the middle. Yep. And we got out of the truck there and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do, man. Like, because it was just so overwhelming how many, you know, rock ledges and, and the water, how it was flowing. And I was just like, man, are there fish all the way across this? Are they, are they concentrating in one area? Like it was just a new challenge for me to, to try to break down a river that was that wide um, and try to figure out where to fish. Um, when I'm used to, like you said, like the hundred yard, you know, some of the areas are even more narrow. Like we fish some stuff that arguably may not even be navigable by kayak. And we just <laughs> use the kayak to get from, you know, shoal to shoal and then get out and wade and drag the boat in a lot of places. So it, it does range like river fishing can be totally different things um, depending on the river you're talking about and, you know, even what type of uh, species that you're chasing. Okay. Um, like, is there, if there, if there's a similarity to it, would it be that you're targeting moving water, current breaks, that kind of thing? Yeah, for sure. And even, even inshore, man, it, that's why I think I like, uh, inshore and river fishing are kind of my two top things. It's, it's all current base. And I'm sure it, it is to some extent on lakes, you know, I've heard people talk about when they start releasing water and it starts to draw a current, um, that it turns the bite on, but you've got that constantly in a river. 
And um, for me, again, like it was here on the New River and the early stages of the New River, we have the North and South Fork of the New and where they come together uh, here locally close to where I live. So very small. And then they get a little bigger, a little bigger. Um, but that river continues to grow as it as it goes. And so I'm fishing the the beginning of some of that water. And uh, yeah, when, when I look at it, it depends on, I think, the time of year, obviously. And, um, you know, what we're doing right now, we're starting to see a transition uh, where the fish are becoming a little more active and, mo- and we'll start moving from their winter holes um, into what I really like to fish, which is when they're um, kind of that, uh, I guess it'd be pre-spawn and they're, they're feeding up and they're just aggressive and they're moving into more of the swifter, higher, higher oxygenated water. Um, and they'll just smack a chatterbait or, you know, whatever. Um, and so I'm looking forward to those months and it's interesting to me how it is. We have a river South of us in South Carolina called the broad and the broad has smallmouth in it. And it turns on really, really good, usually about a month before the new does in Virginia. So it's it's always interesting to see how it starts to turn on and then you kind of like finish up there and then move over to the, to the new. But no, not saying you can't catch fish on the new right now because like my buddy Timmy Dixon, who lives on the new, has been slaying some 20s uh, the last couple of days. Wow. So, uh, yeah, he's been getting the big girls to bite Um but he's slow rolling. It uh, uh, looks like he's slow rolling some chatterbaits and some crankbaits and kind of around their wintering holes. So they're starting to get active and starting to move and it's starting to get exciting for sure. Yeah, that's always a fun time when it just starts to get warm enough and you start, you know, picking them off and you're not having to do those super slow winter presentations or yeah. you know, like hair jigs or jerk baits as much. I mean, jerk mm-hmm. baits are fun, but. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So, okay, cool. Um, and uh, so you were, you kind of target moving water and I know I take for granted too, even structure like uh, and cover, you know, on, on Susquehanna, it's rocky ledges and a lot of rock, but a lot of rivers, it's more, down trees and that kind of thing right you know yeah i think i think that's when it kind of comes into play too so like here we're kind of lucky we're in that zone where we have largemouth smallmouth and some of our rivers even have spotted bass um in them so it, it's interesting because you can tell like i don't know if you've spent a lot of time catching you know different like multiple species in the same river but you can always almost tell what what you have on while you're fighting it Right. Um, you know, you're like, okay, I don't think this is a small mouth. This is coming up to jump or whatever. You know, you start to figure that out. Um, but it's also interesting to see, and I, I mentioned the broad earlier. Um, there are some areas that do have both largemouth and smallmouth, but they'll be even remote, just slightly different uh, what they're holding to. Um, and, and then as you break the river down a little bit bigger, it's it's even more so like that. So 
I always kind of say that the water between smallmouth waters is usually largemouth water or spotted bass water. Um, and then as you move into the more swifter current, the higher, uh, highly oxygenated stuff where you've got some, some rock ledges and you've actually got maybe some mild rapids or whatever, that tends to be more like the smallmouth water. Now I'm talking about in the spring when the fish are um, feeding, you know, not, not wintertime holes or right. anything, but right. Um, so I think it depends on what you're targeting and what your river holds. Uh, if, if you have a river with a lot of rocks and, and stuff and you have smallmouth, then you definitely want to be targeting the rocks um, and the lee side. Usually I like to personally face upriver um, as much as possible and, and cast upriver and bring my bait downriver. So I'll set up not in the eddies. And, and, and for those that don't know what, what I mean when I say an eddy, it's, Basically, you've got all the current coming downriver, and let's say you have a boulder or something in the middle that's creating a current break, and that current break behind the boulder is going to be your eddy where the water kind of swirls, and sometimes it'll even flow back up towards the, the rock. Um, so what's happening is any kind of bait or um, food that's coming down, you know, those fish usually will face up current and sit on those, those seams where the swift water and the slack water kind of meet uh, when they're feeding aggressively. Uh, so I like to cast up river, maybe even, you know, above uh, the boulder or whatever, and then have it come down and just kind of rip into that, that seam or even all the way into that eddy and kind of work it um, as many different ways uh, and angles as possible. Um, and a lot of times that's where, when they're being aggressive and they're feeding, that's where they're going to hang out. Um, so okay. the same and thing can be said about largemouth. They're going to be in slower water, likely holding to wood, sometimes rock, but, you know, a lot more wood usually involved there. So you got down trees and whatnot, but the same kind of thing, they're going to be in the, in the little current breaks on the edges and stuff, even though it's less current, they're still current. Um, so you're just applying that on a different scale. Interesting. And I, I, I'm thinking about what you're saying about casting above the boulder and letting it come down maybe across that boulder and then into the current seam mm -hmm. and into the eddy. Um, what kind of lures are you doing that, that that works by like a lot of times when I was fishing, you know, what, what I've gotten comfortable with is kind of sitting at the uh, the tail end of the eddy and casting up right behind that rock. But you're saying cast further than that and let it come. come yeah, through. sometimes uh, like even if you have a ledge and you've got the water kind of pushing up to that ledge upstream, um, the fish will set up there as well. So I like to bring the bait over the ledge and then into the pool. Um, a lot of times a fish will literally sit in that white water, like, right. Like if you got a small waterfall or a rapid, they'll sit right up in there, um, in that white water. Uh, so then you can bring it. So, I mean, you kind of want to try everything, um, as far as types of lures, man, it really, it really does change, uh, throughout the season. But if the fish are up there and they're in that kind of zone feeding, then I love throwing, uh, a chatterbait. Um, it's my favorite bait to throw, uh, I joke if they're sometimes if they're not eating it, I'm like, well, they're not biting today, but that doesn't mean they're not biting, but it's like, I just love throwing it. And um, so that's one of my go-tos. Uh, another one, if you can uh, get a good topwater uh, coming across and this is more in the seams, it's hard to work a topwater in the swifter stuff. Um, but I'll definitely throw some spooks and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. When the, when the bite does start to turn on, it's a little early for that right now. Um in my water for smallmouth, especially um, here. Um, but as, as we move into the spring a little bit more and they're aggressive, definitely top water baits, um, Z-Man pop shads, those uh, you can't beat a spook. I mean, a spook, a spook junior um, always have something like a, a streaks or a fluke type bait that I can just kind of work either weightless or just slightly weighted so that if they do hit, the top water a miss, I'll always kind of set that down and follow up with that soft plastic. It's going to ride just below the surface. And a lot of times you'll, you'll entice that bite, um, you know, and actually hook the fish if they, if they slash at the top water and miss it. So I like having something like that ready to go. Um, but yeah, it, I, I throw a chatterbait a lot. Um, but spinnerbait works great too. And it's, uh, I think when I first started fishing smallmouth in my head, I thought, okay, largemouth will eat the bigger baits. They got a bigger mouth. Smallmouth are going to want smaller baits because they have a smaller mouth. 
So like literally when I first started doing this in the kayak, I was throwing like rooster tails and stuff yep. and uh, catching a lot of fish, but a lot of small fish occasionally get a decent one. And uh, I think one time we were goofing off and we caught like a, call them red eye, but they're, it's a little rock bass, like a small, about the size of my hand. And my buddy's like, well, I'm going to put that down as a live bait and see if I can't catch a muskie on it. <laughs> and uh, so you can do that here. If you catch them hook, hook, hooking line, you can actually use like a brim or whatever as bait. Uh, so he hooks it through the nose and sends it out to catch a muskie, right? And we're like, yeah, whatever. And the rod goes off. And so he's fighting this fish and turns out it's like an 18 and a half inch smallmouth that has choked this wow. you know, hand size uh you know, fish down its throat. And so light bulb, right? Like we're throwing too small stuff. Like these guys are aggressive and they're going to eat like bigger baits. And so now I'm literally, I'm throwing like a half ounce jackhammer with a five inch diesel minnow as a trailer and still just catching, you know, 16, 17 inch fish on that. I mean, they're aggressive fish. And when they're feeding in that, that swifter water, um, don't be afraid to throw bigger baits out <laughs> like that. You know, big baits do catch bigger fish sometimes. And um, so I'll it's do funny. that a lot. It's funny that you say that because uh, my first confidence bait on the river was a rooster tail. And oh, it catches everything. It, it really did. I mean, I was catching catfish and everything, but um, it was just easy to do. And I seemed to have good luck on it. And it wasn't until like, kind of last year that I was like, you know what, I'm just going to graduate up a little bit. And I started doing, you know, crankbaits and, uh, you know, uh, rattle traps and stuff and re realized that my, the quality of fish that I was catching did definitely go up, you know? Yeah, for sure. You I start I, to weed out some of the smaller guys. Um, but talking about crankbaits, that's another great one. I kind of use the crankbait as, uh, a, like say right before, uh, the fish have kind of moved into that real aggressive top water slash, chatterbait pattern like right now is when i'm i'm starting to throw crankbaits and stuff um it gets down a little deeper and you want it to kind of divert off the rocks but you can kind of move into those not quite as shallow and and fast moving pools but you still have current and you've got a little bit deeper water it's a great way to kind of find those fish as they start to transition and it works in the fall as 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 well so you know that october time frame for us down here and i'm even up there, you guys are, you guys have pretty aggressive fish in October up there. But um, as you start to move into those like little bit cooler mornings and whatnot, the crankbait um, and just going with one that is, is going to run deep enough to bounce off stuff. You know, you don't want it, you want it in the rock, um, you know, not the whole time, but like you want it to definitely hit, like be skimming the surface. So it diverts and stuff. Cause a lot of times when it does that hit and, you know, diverts off of it. That's when they're going to take it. But uh, yeah, that's was, another uh, go-to for sure. My uh, PB Smalley, I got last October. It was either October or the very beginning of November. Uh, it was 20 and a quarter and it came on a, uh, a quarter, a, uh, a rattle trap. So, but I had been throwing the, you know, the, the square bill all summer and having real good luck on it too. So I, yeah. you know, I definitely see the place for both and, um, what I really, I really like the crank or the, the square bill for coming across ripples and stuff where, yep. you know, cause it just doesn't hang up that much where right. it's pretty much everything else I would throw in those ripples would, you know, I'd get snagged and have to kind of go right in there and mess it all up, get my bait back. Yeah. So I may or may not have snuck out this afternoon to go fishing for a little <laughs> bit. And, uh, the square bill was, was on for me today. Uh, nice. It was all, it was all large mouth today, but, um, yeah, they definitely were hitting it. I did get a couple to eat the chatterbait because I can't help it. I've got to throw it. <laughs> and I got a couple to take a spinnerbait too, but uh, the majority of my fish were on a square bill today for sure. And what's your water temperatures down there right now? Uh, you know what? I didn't even check it. I would. So where I went today was, was a warmer area, um, and uh, I waited till the evening. We're, we're, today we got up into the almost 70 degrees oh, wow. air temp-wise. Okay. Uh, so I would say the water temp was in the high fifties, maybe pushing, uh, low sixties. Um, but that's because of the river that I was in. Like it, it's not that warm on the okay. new where the smallmouth are hanging out. So, okay. um, but that's why I was able to get away with, and I fished around, uh, a lot of rock, uh, rip riffraff that was heating up with the sun. Yep. Um, and that's where the, the crankbait was getting it done was where that, uh, 
late afternoon and the sun had been shining on that rock all day and it just had the fish turned on for sure nice but i didn't check though i didn't even have a fish finder on the boat today so i just you know (laughs) i was just throwing stuff and it found one that worked nice nice i was out on sunday and it was our water temperatures the warmest i saw was just over 40 so yeah we're still (laughs) pretty cold but um yeah i'm looking forward to it and we're like today we got up to uh like low 50s and we're supposed to see the 60s tomorrow so it should be starting to warm up here finally i think breaking out of that cold spell but um i was curious um when you say you're throwing the chatterbait up past that if it's mm-hmm. coming with the current, how do you keep up with it? Like, how do you? Well, so, you know, the, your reel has some to do with that. Uh, and also, I think the weight, I throw a half ounce a lot. Um, I know a lot of guys will throw the three eighths. Uh, and I'm, but the half is going to, I feel like you can get it down a little bit better so that it's, it's not going to skim the surface. You're not having to like burn it. Or if you are burning it, it's not going to jump up top as easy. Um but yeah, again, so like I'm not, I will try to like cross the current at an angle. So okay. like uh, maybe like a 45 or so. So I'm not always just throwing directly upstream and bring it directly back down. I'm trying to like cross those seams. So if you have like a shelf where you've got multiple places where you've got kind of a, a shoot, you know, you can throw it up in one and then kind of bring it out of that into the seam and into the eddy. Gotcha. Um, and then, but again, man, they just, sometimes there's no though they could be anywhere like so i just fan cast the crap out of uh, just about every (laughs) ledge and that's what did make it a little bit difficult uh for me fishing up there on the susquehanna was i wanted to throw at everything um and and being the only time or the first time that i had been on a lot of that water you know not knowing what pockets are just a little bit uh, deeper or you know a little bit shallower or whatever um but we were able to to figure it out we we hit one section that had bigger ledges with deeper water below it. Um, and that, that fish, I mean, it was very much the same as what we see here when we were on that. And, and then we could even see the fish like following, uh, when we'd hook one, another one would be like, you know, following it. So, you know, always following up with, with another like bait and even putting that fish on fish grips while you do that, um, is a great way to like, I guess really take advantage of a hole that's got multiple fish in it. So you're not letting one go back in it, you know, while you're sitting there trying to pull more out. Um, but, but yeah, if you've got, so like I will fish a faster speed, like at least a seven to one, but like I've got one that's an eight to one, I believe on one of my reels just so I can keep up with it. And it's really more so like I'll, I'll slow roll, you know, I will slow down my reels as I'm reeling until I know that the bait is like kicking and you can feel it usually on the rod tip. Right. So as long as that thing's chattering, I'm good. And if I need to speed up, I have, I have the uh, ratio to do so, you know, to be able to get it through that current. Um, But the bigger, they they swim pretty good, man. Like you'd have to be in pretty swift water not to be able to, to get it to thump a little and having that bigger five inch uh, diesel minnow as a trailer on there definitely gives it some kick. Cool. No, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I've heard the 45 thing. So I was curious if that's a 45 degree angle uh, a lot. And uh, again, that's something I tend to employ too, because I feel like, you know, if you can make a longer cast, you can cover a little bit more water. Whereas if you're just sitting, trying to shoot directly above the, you know, the break and just bring it back down through makes a lot of sense. Um, I know, I don't know if where you fished on the squint, I had much grass, but um, kind of down where I fish, there are, pretty big patches of grass and mm-hmm. that's where i really go for the the weightless fluke and stuff because it's something i can yeah. kind of just let kind of lay on the very tops of that grass and get hammered that way too yeah for sure some of the areas i did fish uh had that grass um and that is another reason i like the chatterbait is it does a better job getting through that than some of the other baits uh do and they even make some weedless versions uh of the of the chatterbait i throw a jackhammer a lot but yeah it, it will definitely um it does pretty well on the grass as long as it's not that snot grass right like as long as it's just real grass like it'll come through it pretty good um and uh it's very popular bait that, that people use like on the delta and stuff a lot where you have a lot of grass uh, no i heard that and um we have a kind of a mixture we do have some of the snotty grass but yeah that's really stuff is- 
<laughs> obnoxious. And that, that stuff drove me crazy the first time, you know, I, I started fishing that. I was like, what the heck comes through this without getting all, yeah, you know, where you're cleaning off every time you come back. But right. um, not a crankbait. <laughs> no, definitely not. And, uh, but it, oddly enough, the fish do kind of hang in there sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know. Yeah. I noticed that about, so like we don't, on the new where I fish, we don't have a lot of that. It's definitely more rock boulders, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, some, some trees that are down and whatnot, but the, the smallmouth in the spring for sure. And in the fall are going to hold more to the, the swift, like closer to uh, the ledges and the, and the riffles and rapids or whatnot. Um, but when I was up there, uh, I did a float I'm trying to think of when we were up there with the take two, it just came out. Uh, the Jackson take two. And I went up there and fished with Josh Evans. Um, and we, we floated pretty good amount. I mean, like, I don't think, I think we did like four or five miles and there were a lot of fish, a lot of, it was different for me to fish smallmouth in, in that grass and around that grass. Like they were around like the islands in the middle of the river and there'd be grass flats kind of coming on the, in those eddies on the backside of some of those islands. And, uh, so it was interesting to me to catch smallmouth in what looked like a largemouth spot to me. Like I would have thought that's, that's a largemouth spot, but I guess, <laughs> I guess when you have tons of smallmouth, like you guys do, it's a smallmouth spot. Yeah, no. And it, all the, you know, I, I think why I fished the river for oh, a lot. And I think I've only ever caught two largemouth on the river. You know? Yeah. So I don't think it's a, there's some, we have some on the new here, but like uh, the Yakin river, for example, which is closer to my, my house here, it's a, used to be a lot kind of i would say more smallmouth um now it's spotted bass like it's just spotted bass have taken it over but um so yeah it's uh definitely heavy but i think i think a river fish in general like i'm not a big largemouth guy like i love smallmouth uh when it comes to largemouth in a lake like i'll do it but if I got my choice, I'm going smallmouth river fishing, right? Yes. Um, but but even in even in a river, largemouth are a different animal. Like they fight way harder, and the fact that they're in that current, yeah, I'll take it. Right. But uh, <laughs> pretty I'm much, definitely, yeah. Definitely a river guy. <laughs> every fish that I've caught on the river, for the most part, has put up more fight than any lake fish I've ever caught. You know. Yeah, and and some of it may be the current, but I don't care. Like it still feels better on the rod yeah. right <laughs> no i i agree with you man uh 100 but uh um i was i thought of a question there and i it just totally slipped my mind uh oh what was i gonna think uh what was i gonna ask uh i just it just it's gone <laughs> <laughs> um Oh, I know what I was going to ask you. Um, when you're positioning, are you usually um, just like, how are you holding your position? Are you anchoring or are you just paddling to keep up or pedaling or? Sorry, my GoPro just started beeping at me. I had a GoPro laying here on the table and it started <laughs> beeping at me. But um, anyway, so yeah, I've, I've tried a little bit of everything. Um, I ran a drag chain for a long time. And I still think that it can be very useful, but the only issue I really kind of have with the drag chain is I end up facing down river and I really want to fish. Yep, I was just going to say that. Um, so I've played around with some different things and, and some of the places that I fish, you can literally just like wade a lot of it. So I, and I've done this on this, on the Susquehanna a couple of times as well, when we were up there um, was you know, like put the boat, um, definitely do this when it's a little warmer or have the right gear on when you're going to do it, but put the boat like up on a rock or a ledge, get out and kind of wade and uh, fish it that way. And that works really well um, when you do have the more shallow or, you know, more exposed rocks that you can get out and walk around on. Don't think of the kayak as being like, I have to fish from the kayak. The kayak can get you to a lot of places and then you can still get out and walk around and, and fish the water and really work it and then keep all your gear in the kayak. And I've, I've even drugged the kayak like probably a mile behind me, like it floating most of the time. Right. But I've got a strap or whatever around my waist and just kind of walking and and working the water that way when you do have shallower, like knee deep type water that the fish are holding in. Um, but what I found to work really well um, recently is I've taken one of the anchor wizards and mounted it off the bow. Um, so I've got the, the 
pulley or the whatever, you know, the real part of the anchor wizard mounted kind of at my hip. And then I run the line down the side and off the bow with their, their, uh, I don't know what you call it, their deployment system. The shoot or thingy. Yeah. 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 And so that works really well. Uh, and I don't like using a claw anchor in a river because, you know, you don't want to get anchored in a river in general is something you really want to be prepared to cut your line in case something goes down. So I always tell people to have, I keep a, a knife right here on my chest on my PFD. As so, I. Yep. Yeah. I mean, because you don't want to be in swift water and that anchor get hung up, but it can be a very valuable tool. So that, like you can buy the like round ball type anchors and they won't catch up as bad. I actually have a friend that uh, kind of made me one out of a solid piece of, of metal. And then he welded like a half of a giant flat washer on the top of it. Um, so it's just a cylinder. Um, I've seen people use window weights, like the old timey window weights. Oh yeah. Uh, so anything like that works or just, you can even do the drag chain, but do it off the bow. Um, and that, that could work too. You know, if you are floating though, you know, obviously keep an eye out behind you. Um, but all those things work really well to kind of hold your position because the last thing you want to do is, is come down the current and then peel out into the eddy where you should be fishing. Right now you're sitting where you should be fishing and the current's going to naturally want to take you all the way back up to that boulder or rock ledge um, and just cycle you around like it's going to do the food that it's literally bringing to the fish. So like, you know, you want to kind of peel out later, like come down the, the, the rapid or the shoot or whatever and, and keep paddling and then circle back or the, at the tail end, but then work your way back up. Um, it the fish aren't always all the way up at the ledge. Uh, a lot of times they'll be at the very, the very bottom of the, of the eddy, um, or the seam. So, you know, slowly kind of make a few casts and a few paddle strokes and just work your way up. And then if you need to anchor, you know, you want to anchor where the current's still kind of pushing you down and cast into the eddy so that you're not going to like float back up river, um, in the, in the current where it's, uh, swirling. Right. So, I, I've been watching a lot of Jeff Little and he, he really breaks down fishing yeah, that, that the, dude is the, the three different fishing. parts of the eddy, you know, fishing yeah. right behind the structure, then kind of the mid and then the tail where it tails out. And yeah. he, he talks about so many times people sit right over the fish they should be fishing for. And I know that I've done that a lot after watching his videos. And yeah. so I'm really look, kind of looking forward to getting out there this year. Uh, yeah, it definitely like, opens it up when you realize like that there's like he said, I mean, and Jeff, I've learned a lot from him. I mean, uh, him and I are good friends. And but before I even knew him, I, I would watch some of his DVDs and just like, oh, this guy's like, he has more, <laughs> like he's forgotten more stuff than I'll ever <laughs> know. And I don't know if I'll ever have the level of commitment to really trying to understand every in and out of a smallmouth bass. But um, that dude is committed. Like he'll, you know, I mean, you know, he goes out there when it's like ice, freezing rain, blowing sideways whatever like and he's still catching 21 inch 22 inch smallmouth i'm like yeah i don't boat trader america's largest boating marketplace offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from sell find and finance new or used boats on america's largest boating marketplace visit boattrader.com to get started when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I won't be doing that. So I won't be catching those <laughs> fish, but, but, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's right. And, uh, a lot of that I learned, you know, through other people, but then just, you know, accidentally sometimes, you know, you're like, you make a random cast, you know, like, Whoa, there's, there's a fish there. Right. Um, and you start to realize, and it, it honestly is the same. If you're fishing the same species and the water looks similar to, you know, at all, like if there's rock bottom, and boulders and current breaks and all that. And you're fishing smallmouth and it's similar temperatures. And then you, you, you know, food source and that kind of thing. Like it's gonna like fish it the same way you would your home river. You know, if you're traveling somewhere, like start there and like, 
you'll figure it out. Like um, it may take you a minute to kind of break it down and, and start to develop a pattern on a new river, but they're the same fish, you know, like they eat the same stuff. <laughs> so right. um, it's just then dialing in the time of year and, and where they're located. Um, and the nice thing about a river is, you know, if you're putting in and taking out, like they're going to be somewhere in there. Like it's not like a lake where you've got acres and acres and acres of 60 foot deep water in some places. And I mean, like, I don't know how anyone breaks a lake down to be honest with you. But. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know, I've, I've had people, you know, say that about the Susquehanna, but I'm like, Hey, at least there's visible stuff that you can look at, you know, and, yeah. and see, yeah, I think fish are going to be there. Whereas when I go to a lake, like you're saying, where I was just at one on Sunday and, like I'm looking at my depth finder and I'm like, Oh, now it's 40. Now it's 50. And I'm like, it yeah. looks like it should be 10, but. <laughs> and, you, and you mark fish and then you drop something down to them and they don't eat. And right. then like two hours later they'll eat. Like, I don't, <laughs> it's a, I'm much, much, much more enjoy, you know, river fishing. Uh, Cause even um, if you're not catching fish, you're still kayaking a river, right? Like, Oh yeah. And <laughs> oh, this, the part of the Susquehanna we're at, I mean, I see bald eagles regularly. Um, I've oh, seen deer, deer swimming across in front of me. I, you know, the amount of awesome stuff there is to see, it's just amazing. Yeah. But You mentioned uh, something earlier, and I, I, I'd kind of like to touch on it. You know, you talked about being intimidated, you know, by the river. And I think that's where it helped us having a couple of buddies. But we learned a lot of things the hard way. Um flipping kayaks, losing rods, breaking rods, sinking kayaks. Like um, we did a lot of dumb stuff and the information is out there now a lot more than it, and it probably was then. I just didn't know to look or where to find it. But um, if any of your listeners have not fished a river um, or haven't gotten into a kayak yet, or they're just getting into kayak fishing, um, I would say do yourself a favor and, go out on flat, calm water and learn some things. Uh, it's invaluable to, to go out and flip your boat on purpose and, and then learn what it takes to get it right side up, get back in it and do it with like, figure out what, you know, you need to do to keep your gear from going down the river and don't, you know, losing your paddle, make sure you got a life jacket that's fitted properly. Like you're dealing with moving water this time of year as the days get warmer the water like you said your water is still in the 40s and i i guarantee you i don't know this but the new is probably maybe 50 uh, or in the low 50s and uh even if it's 60 70 degrees outside like you can't spend a lot of time in water that cool um and not get you know hypothermia so there's definitely a lot of things that you know, you do want to take into consideration is not to be intimidating. It's more just so that it doesn't have to be intimidating. Like you can be prepared uh, to, to go in the water, always be prepared to swim because it could happen to anybody at any time. Um, and then just know like what you need to do to get yourself, you know, back to safety uh, in your boat, um, you know, and that kind of thing. And I think, I think going out on some flat water and spending some time and learning the kayak and, like I said, like literally turning over on, on purpose and see what it takes to get back in. And a lot of resources out there um, that, and all those things are just going to like allow you to be more comfortable while you're out on the water and not be intimidated. And the other thing I would say about river fishing, it's all about boat position. It is 100% about not sitting over top of the fish that you're trying to catch about running the rapid the right way or, you know, like, being able to face upriver, like you said, how do I hold that position? So I think it's also do yourself a favor. And again, there's lots of videos out there, but learn a few paddle strokes, um, become an actual kayaker, like it's kayak fishing. And I know a lot of other anglers have said this, you know, like kayaking is half of like you're, if you can kayak, then you're going to be a better kayak fisherman because you know how to position your boat. You know, some strokes that will allow you to kind of walk your boat sideways or, whatever and, and get it where it needs to be um and how to keep your paddle kind of in your lap and ready to go um pedals on the types of rivers that i fish and even on the susquehanna are going to be in some areas kind of useless right so like learning to paddle properly and how to maneuver the boat properly is going to help you 
position it so that you can catch more fish um, and be in the right place at the right time. So there's, there's some things there that I would encourage everybody to like learn some safety stuff and, and really like dive into some paddle technique. You'll be more comfortable. You'll be less tired and you'll be able to position the boat better to catch more fish. Absolutely. Uh, I, I was lucky enough, Shanks Mayor, uh, my local battle, uh, battle shop, they offer classes. So eventually I took their classes and that, you know, they go through everything from, you know, writing yourself, they do paddle strokes, they teach all sorts of stuff like that. So uh, my level of comfort went way up past that. And um, I think you're hundred percent right. Like I, uh, when I got my Kusa, I went out empty and with the intent of flipping it. And I think it's really important that you, you, you kind of lean and see, so you can, you know, find that secondary stability and find where your point of no return is, you know, so you know yep. when you're out on the water and, you know, um, you know, you, you start leaning for a fish or leaning to pull a, you know, get a snag out or something like that, you know how far you can go. Um, yeah, for sure. So, and it, definitely just knowing you can get back in is a huge thing. Um, and don't take for granted that you can because, you know, depending on the situation, it can be definitely well, tough. And you add super cool water or cold air temps or whatever to that or you know you hit your knee on the way down like anything can happen and i remember we were floating uh, a river the river in south carolina the broad um with a guy who said he had he was a kayak fisherman um and he had kayak fished he had a he had a hobie pro angler um but he had never river fished and uh he got you know one of those situations where the the boat's going over a ledge, but the, the back end hangs up, right? So now you're teetering on the bow and the and the back end. And he went in, and it was it was a warm day, man. It was like probably 65 to 70 degrees during the day. Um, but the water temps were still pretty cool, and it started to get dark. So the temp, air temp dropped like, I want to say it was November, but the air temp just went from like really nice during the day to like 40s um, as soon as the sun started going down. And that dude got hypothermia on us. Like he could not, like he had no function. He couldn't get back in the boat. Um, he's wearing one of those inflatable like life jackets, which I do wear those, especially like on flat water or inshore where it's shallow, but I do not wear those in, in a river. Um, some of the ones like the NRS ones do a lot better job. So if they do inflate, they're not like super uncomfortable, but like some of the other ones, the, old school ones that you'd like carry around on your bass boot or whatever, like those things go off, man. Now you're like getting choked by your, (laughs) then that's the one he had, right? Like it was like, there's no way he could wear it comfortably the rest of the trip. So like he was pretty much like trying to deflate it, which now it's useless, right? It's been, it's been set off and it's not going to do any good. Um, But yeah, he was, he just wasn't prepared. Like he didn't have the right clothing. He didn't have the right life jacket. And he just didn't know what to do. And so we had to like build a fire and get him like undressed and warm. And it just it could have been bad. Like he couldn't stand up on his own once we got to the takeout. Um, so, and it wasn't, it was such a small thing. Like, I mean, the water was knee deep that he fell out in right. and he stood up, right? Like, but he got wet head to toe. Um, mm-hmm. And then we still had quite a bit of river to go before the takeout and uh we didn't have clothes and it got dark and he got cold and uh luckily we got him warm and he got all right but yeah he was like straight up you know lost function <laughs> to to his limbs and uh it it got real close to having to be in a hospital trip for sure right right uh, and so they talk a lot about in in the classes that shanks mayor teaches and i've heard other people say is that you know is if you respect the river and the the power that it has, you know, you'll be okay. As long as you, you're not being foolish. Like they talk about the 120 rule where if the water temperature and air temperature don't add up to 120, then you probably should have some form of warmth on beyond just regular clothes, whether that's a dry suit or some kind of wetsuit. But, uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, I bit the bullet and bought a dry suit just so I could extend my season safely. Exactly. Like, and that's the key right there. Like what you just said, you, you have no problem spending the money on baits and tackle and rod and reel combos. Like, you know, get a dry, get, if you can extend the season and you look at what Jeff's catching in the winter time, like if you can extend your season safely, the man, river fishing, like it, it's going to produce some of the best memories. Like 
of your life. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so awesome, dude. Like, I love it. I was going to ask you, so now you've obviously pedaled, you've paddled. I don't know. Do you motor at all? I do. And that was the other thing I was going to bring up um, in your, what you were talking about, the positioning. Um, Some areas, some of the rivers, like I said, that we fish are just super shallow. And a lot of times we're dragging boats. Um, But uh, I had, I've, I've been with Torquedo for years and I've had like their ultralight 403 from way back. Um, and, uh, now I have the 1103 and in your river specifically, and some of the rivers around here, like it can be a, a very valuable tool. Like it allows you to launch at one spot, go up river, fish your way up river, which now you've not even floated across any of that water, um, and hold position in current you know, using your feet to steer or whatever. Um, so like it, it kind of blew me away as a, and I never really thought about it as a river, um, you know, thing until more recently, uh, just because, uh, like I said, a lot of the rivers around here, you really couldn't use it as much, but now I'm actually seeing that you probably could have, I just assumed you couldn't, right? Like, um, I've got the rock guard on there. Um, and that makes a huge difference. And, yeah, it just, it really changes how you even access because if you're able to go up river now quite a ways and fish, uh, you don't need that like second truck or to run a shuttle or any of that stuff. So um, if you can afford it, uh, you don't need it for sure. Like you can totally fish a river without a motor, did it for years and a lot of people do. Um, but, and there, but there's a lot of options out there now. I'm partial to Torquedo. I think they make a great product and they stand by it, but um you know, even a trolling motor uh, could probably get you into some stuff that, uh, and really, again, extend. And, and there's purists that are like, well, that's not kayak fishing. Well, <laughs> I got into kayak fishing because I wanted to access water. Like it was the, the right tool to put me on fish. Um, right. So if adding a motor to my kayak is, is the right tool to get me to where, where I need to go to catch fish, then I, I'm all for it. Like, We'll put a 250 on the back if we can get on. <laughs> like, if, you know, <clears throat> so I think uh, that's going to probably be one of my next major investments. I I've I did the paddle thing to start, and now I pedal. And I think you know, just seeing how much further I can get with pedal versus paddle, I think adding a motor just you know, I I can right off the top of my head, I can think of places right by me that I I could get to that I uh, you know. Even if I, I could get there pedaling, but I'm going to be so wiped out from getting up there right. that, you know, it's going to be, you know, just not enjoyable. So um, but the cool thing about the motor, um, especially, in a if you can add the foot steering um, over, you know, when you're pedaling, you still kind of have to have your hand on that rudder. Right. Uh, but, when, but now your feet control kind of the rudder if you will with the with the motor so yeah you have to control the throttle but a lot of times you can kind of find that sweet spot and keep your hands a lot more free um, for fishing and that's what i've been doing actually what i was doing today i had the torpedo and was ripping around i left my anchor in the car and i, I kind of regretted that there was a couple of times where you know i was like going back and forth uh holding the holding with the uh with the motor but i would like to have just dropped anchor once i got there and really worked an area um a little bit better but um but yeah i would say and it depends like i said it depends on your waterways i've got areas here that i still wouldn't probably take the the motor um and i'm going to take the lightest boat i have i have a, a jackson kilroy right now um as kind of my like drag around um you know pull behind me up the river in certain certain areas where um the motor just wouldn't make as much sense um especially once I got there, like it might help me get there. But then once I'm getting out of the kayak and dragging it, now I've just got extra weight that I right. don't really need. Right. Um, right. So it just depends on, on where you're at and what you're doing, but it can be a great, great tool for sure. And I know like the, the Susquehanna can change, you know, you know, one, one week I'll go out and it'll be a foot deep. And I'm, like you said, I'm getting out and walking I'm definitely not pedaling very much. I'm more, you know, paddling what I can and then, you know, waiting the rest. And, but then, you know, we can have a, a couple of days of rain and then all of a sudden that spot's now five foot and I can pedal through it, you yeah. know, and, and would be able to motor around a little bit better. So, 
um, I, I like I said, I definitely think it's it's on the horizon. Um, I have some convincing with the weight to do, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's definitely something probably in the not too distant future for me. So yeah, well, the cool thing is is uh, uh, they're pretty simple to take on and off, and you know if you upgrade your kayak down the road, you can always swap that out. So bring it with you, right? Right. Yeah, I'm trying to help sell it. For yeah. you <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Honey, are you listening? No. <laughs> so awesome, dude. Well, uh, you gave us a bunch of good information, I think, and uh, definitely a place to start. Uh, so, you know, for all the listeners out there who, you know, might be a little bit, uh, you know, intimidated by hopping on the river, just do your research, you know, find somebody uh, in your local area who, you know, you know, to go out with. I think that helped me a lot, too, is, you know, going out with some people who kind of knew what they were doing and could kind of point me in the right direction. Check 100%. out your local paddle sports dealers, check for classes and stuff. Um, that made a big difference for me as well. Um, but yeah, make sure you get out and just enjoy it. Cause it, it really, I was really amazed at, you know, you know, the quality of fish and quantity of fish that I caught once I got comfortable and now I wouldn't trade it for the world. So yeah, it'll definitely ruin you for sure. And <laughs> I mean, like you said, I think it's, it's always good to go. If you're river fishing, like to try to find somebody to go with, um, you know, that, that knows, cause you'll learn so much, man, just in one trip with somebody that's done it. And the cool thing about the kayak fishing community is everyone's always like pretty open to sharing uh, stuff with you. And uh, you know, they might not share their favorite bait or their exact hole within the hole, but man, for the most part, I, you know, kayak fishing community is just awesome. So like, don't, be, don't be intimidated to ask uh, people uh, to go out and, and, to help you learn or share a location with you or whatever. So awesome, dude. Well, uh, I wanted to give you a chance to shout out uh, a where folks can find you. Um, and then B uh, your sponsors and everybody. Uh, I know Jackson, obviously, and yeah, you know, it sounds like Torquedo and a couple others. Yeah. So um, definitely follow uh, me at, at Jameson Redding on Instagram, uh, Jameson Redding fishing on Facebook. Um, Again, you know, we're going to be launching a lot of the content for the show on uh, Jackson Kayak's uh, YouTube channel and on their platforms as well. So give them a follow on Jackson Kayak Fishing um, on Facebook and Instagram. And then, yeah, you know, I am blessed to have quite a few sponsors that I get to work with. And uh, Team Range Shadow that I got on the hats, my rod sponsor, NRS, is um, makes a lot of great gear for what we were talking about, cold weather gear and safety equipment pfds um so definitely check them out jackson kayak i could go through them cigar bending branches torpedo um uh, wiley x sunglasses i'm gonna leave someone out and feel really bad about it. <laughs> um but yeah i've got i've lucky like i said and blessed to get to work with a lot of really cool brands um and z-man being one of them i talked about their chatterbait a lot and um when they're sold out i buy them so <laughs> that that's my favorite bait for sure. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you letting me come on, man. It was, an, it was a great time talking with you. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. And if you're ever up in uh, my neck of the woods again, hit me up. Uh, you know, I'd love to go fishing with you. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely be back up there. That, that river is something special. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, uh, everyone, um, I'm going to let Jameson uh, hop off real quick. And because uh, I just have a few things to cover that I didn't cover at the beginning of this. Uh, just wanted to make sure we got him in, but uh Jameson, if you want to hang out tight uh, after I get done, I'll chat with you. But if you need to okay. go, that's fine, dude. So. Yeah, sounds good, man. All right. Thank you again for coming on. So, all right. Thanks for having me. Yep. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, guys, real quick, just before we finish up, uh, I wanted to cover the two quick things that I missed at the beginning of the show. Uh, we have the uh, Pal and Finn uh, tournament, the first tournament of the year at Dale Hollow Lake coming up on April 2nd and 3rd. Uh, we will be... Uh, that's live on Tourney X right now, so you can go sign up if you want. Uh, the, Brian just did a live show earlier tonight uh, highlighting kind of a bunch of questions and answers. You can find that 
on the uh, Paddle and Fin Facebook page um, on YouTube as well. If you have any questions about that, I'll, we, he covered a lot of the questions and answers that we've been getting about that. But uh, make sure you go sign up and check it out. Uh, I know a bunch of the Paddle and Fin hosts will be there. I should be there. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to meeting a bunch of you guys that uh, I've only talked to online or uh, have uh, only been chatting with. So I'm looking forward to meeting a bunch of people in person. Uh, I'm also looking forward to fishing down there because it's a beautiful place. I was down there uh, two years ago at the Paddle and Fin meetup, and I can't wait to get back down there. So again, uh, uh, check that out on Tourney X and uh, sign up and come fish with us. Um, the other, last thing I want to talk about is the uh, Paddle and Fin Fantasy Kayak Fishing League that we got going on. If you go to paddleandfin.com fantasy, you can make your own team. Uh, there's uh, prizes. There's both quarterly prizes and end of the year prize for you know, the kind of the person who has the, the top points overall. So just go on there, uh, build your team. You can change your team up every week uh, and uh, go against us and the rest of the people. Uh, definitely my team's kind of still hanging down in the standings, but I'm working my way back up slowly. So definitely check that out, guys. So again, thank you all for listening. This has been the Best Fishing for Noobs show on the Paddle and Fin podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. We'll catch you next time, guys. Have a good night. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Fin. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddle and fin. Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures, your Midwest premier paddle sports destination, go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.